You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 79 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Chrome Lakes. Formed in 2013 in the belly of Seattle, Washington, Chrome Lakes approaches their music through the lens of post-hardcore in the year of post-truth America. Their sound, shaped from the influences of Seattle's community and America's emo and post-hardcore landscapes, offers an aggressive yet melodic entry into the schism of indie rock moving past the last decade's worth of Seattle folk. For more information on Chrome Lakes, you can check out chromelakes.bandcamp.com, Facebook at Chrome Lakes, and on Instagram at chrome underscore lakes. Now here it is, their new single, Amplified.
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Buzz from the Melvins. You're listening to that one time on tour. everybody out there in podcast land what's going on as always this is chris swinney your host for that one time on tour this is my podcast where i get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have an awesome conversation if you're joining us for the first time thank you so much uh our guest today King Buzzo from the um, the Almighty Melvins is on the program. So uh, if King Buzzo brought you here, hopefully you guys enjoy it. And you got to go back. We've got 78 other episodes for you to check out. For everybody that checked out last week's episode with R&B soul singer Alan Stone, thank you very, very much. I had a blast talking with Alan. His new record, Building Balance, is out now. Go ahead and stream it or order the vinyl. Do whatever you want. Alan's a great guy, and uh, we support him here at the program. Like I said, today on the program, we have King Buzzo, Buzz Osborne, singer, songwriter, guitarist, all-around cool dude from the Melvins. I got to go down to the Melvins show about a month or so ago in Indianapolis and hang out with Buzz, and it was a lot of fun. This interview is a little different than some of the other interviews, Buzz. Buzz kind of keeps me on my toes, and I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it as well. But before we get to my conversation, as always, we have some awesome companies that help us keep the lights on here at that one time on tour. I need to tell you guys about the Merch Planet, themerchplanet.com. They're an amazing company that does merchandise for your band family reunion, whatever you need, they've got you covered. Go on over to themerchplanet.com and when you order all your stuff and you're checking out, use the promo code T-O-T-O-T free. That is T-O-T-O-T-F-R-E-E and you're going to get free shipping on anything that you order. And if you're a band on the road and you're drop shipping stuff to venues, that is an awesome deal to get free shipping. So head on over to themerchplanet.com. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for supporting us here at TOTOT. We really appreciate it. Our other sponsor for this week, as always, they're back. 
Permanence Tattoo Gallery over in Anderson, Indiana. My buddy and past guest of the show, Jacob Harrison, is the owner and it is an amazing shop right here in East Central Indiana. If you guys are not local, no big deal. Next time you're in this area, go get tattooed at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Tell them that I sent you. Maybe they'll hook you up with a good deal. Um, they're an awesome place, and they've got so many great artists, and it's just... You feel very comfortable. I've been in tattoo shops before where maybe I didn't feel the most comfortable, but when I'm in there, it's like family. I love that place. So check it out. They're on all of the social media outlets at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Okay, so that is it. Also, don't forget, though, Chrome Lakes at the beginning of the episode. Awesome band out of Seattle. Check them out at chromelakes.bandcamp.com. They have a new record coming out. We debuted their new single, Amplified, so go and check it out, man. Okay, so uh, before we get to my conversation with Buzz, I, I've been toying with this idea of doing like a tribute episode to Tony Sly from No Use for a Name. Uh, if you guys out there listening don't know who Tony is, Tony was the singer, songwriter, guitarist for this band that I love, No Use for a Name, out of California, and he he died a few years back, and they've done like tribute albums and all kinds of things for that, and I thought about maybe doing a tribute episode, trying to get some people that knew Tony to to speak on the show, and uh, the funny thing is, is that I've talked about paranormal stuff on this show before, and I've talked about my love for No Use for a Name. Well, one of my listeners, Andy from Wisconsin, sent me an email, and he's got something that combines the two. He has a No Use for a Name ghost story. So uh, Andy over in Wisconsin, I'm going to go ahead and read his story and uh, see if you guys like it. So Andy says, back in 2005, while going with my brother to the No Use for a Name concert because he was interviewing Matt Riddle, the bass player for No Use for a Name, they were invited to go ghost hunting with the band in the haunted pool of the Rave in Milwaukee, which is a great venue. Uh, and I've heard the stories about the the pool there, the Rave being haunted. But uh, So they were invited to go ghost hunting in the haunted pool of the Rave in Milwaukee, which has a, he says has a rich history of ghosts and paranormal. While walking around the basement, they got to the pool, which was freezing cold in the middle of summer, which is kind of weird. While they walked inside the pool, he was peeking through a peep for through a porthole, I guess kind of like a ship, but they have those there at the pool, inside the pool, and he swears he saw a girl standing in the deep end of the pool, literally froze him in his tracks. When they left, he looked back and the pool was completely empty and she was gone. He says it still gives him goosebumps to this day. So, Andy, I want to thank you very much for your story about ghost hunting with no use for a name. Maybe if I can get Roy or Rory or Matt or somebody on here, maybe they'll remember ghost hunting with you at the rave in Milwaukee. Uh, if you guys have a story that includes one of your favorite bands and the paranormal, maybe that'll be a new segment on the show. I don't know. So, uh, so send them in. Uh, you can hit me up, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on all the socials. It's just at TOTOTpodcast. And yeah, that was a really cool story, man. I'd like to go ghost hunting with like Metallica. That would be cool. Or ghost hunting with uh, Silverchair. I'm just trying to think of all my favorite bands. Ghost hunting with Hot Water Music. Maybe if I get Chuck on the show, maybe we can talk about ghost hunting. But uh, Andy, thank you so much for sending in your story. Uh, if you guys want to be featured on an episode, send me anything. I feature all kinds of crazy stuff. Stories or, you know, 
You can call the hotline. It's one seven six five three seven two eight eight one eight, and you can just leave me a voicemail. Maybe I'll play it on the show. But I'm going to stop babbling. I don't have any other segments or anything today, and I want to get right into this interview. But if you guys want to help out the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. Get involved at the $5 level. It goes a long way to help us, and you'll gain access to exclusive patron-only bonus episodes and all kinds of other cool goodies like contests, and, and it's it's a great place, so check it out. If you don't want to get involved financially helping the show, that's completely cool. I understand that. Just please go to iTunes or, or Spotify or wherever you go. Leave us a review and a five-star rating. That would be awesome. That helps us gain visibility and everybody can find the show. And that's it. Oh, subscribing. That really helps as well if you subscribe wherever you listen. But that's my spiel for today. So I'm going to get into my conversation. I had such a good time talking to Buzz. He's a very unique individual. And like I said, he kept me on my toes. So I hope you guys enjoy this. This is my conversation with King Buzzo from the Melvins. Here we go. And I'm sitting here with uh, King Buzzo. Yes. Buzz from the Melvins in Indianapolis. How are you doing today, Buzz? Well, it's hotter than I like, but... Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's almost October. It's normally not this hot. Don't worry. It'll get cold. <laughs> of course, right? It's coming. It's coming. So how is the tour going? I know you guys, you work your asses off all the time. You're always on tour, always doing something. I know you've been on the road for a while now. You were just in Minneapolis, some other places. How has it been for you guys? Good. Tonight's 22 out of 53. That's pretty crazy. So. I know that you guys at one point did a tour where you and, and unless this is false because i did watch your wikipedia fact or false interview in preparation i don't remember what uh what i said in that. a lot false. of a lot of wikipedia was could false. be false but i i read that you guys did a tour one time 51 days straight all 50 states starting in alaska ending in plus hawaii DC. yeah plus dc for the 51 yeah we did that yes was that i mean that's insane that's you're probably one of the few bands that have played every state as well Oh, I don't know about that, but we not certainly the only band that's ever done it in one, one, one swoop. Go. <laughs> right, yeah. Some guys have done it on acoustic guitar, but that doesn't really count. So you guys did full band, full everything. Yep. Was Melvin's it, light with stand-up bass, the whole works. So it was a lot of driving, though. I take it right. I mean, when you get to the East Coast, I guess it's not as bad. But well, if you're only concerned about the state, I guess yeah, not necessarily the best show. So yeah, we're some of the like of a deal. some smaller markets. I take it maybe for some of the states. I think we played Allentown and some other places like that. Was it like Crocodile Rock in Allentown? You ever played there? Uh, I think that's where it was. I believe <laughs> we both were in a band together. We've played there as well. But uh, it's so, only time I've ever been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I played a lot else out, out that way. Allentown, though, it's a good little town. What do you think? Of, Allentown's a good little town. What do you think, Indianapolis? I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Well, I mean, didn't Billy Joel write a song about it? Uh, well, we won't hold that against Allentown. <laughs> Pretty sure that he did. So what do you think of Indianapolis? I'm sure you guys have been playing here forever. Yeah, we've played here a lot of times. Um, it's fine. I mean, uh, if you drop me in downtown anywhere in the Midwest, it looks about the same to me. Yeah, true, right? I mean, it's not like it's a... It's not like I'm going to be standing on stage and going, wow, I'm in Indianapolis. <laughs> well, I mean, after... 36 years of being a band is there are there any places that make you kind of feel that way not while i'm playing not where you're playing no i'll give i'll play the same show tonight that i will in brooklyn or berlin or yeah 
Buenos Aires, the same exact. I, I, I know I that you we guys. We don't do anything like, you know, oh, well, tonight doesn't matter. <laughs> Never. I'll never do that. So I can't you, do that. You doesn't, give 100% every, every night, no matter what. Do my best every single night. doesn't matter where it is. That's awesome. Trying to honor what we're doing. And you yeah. guys, I know that you guys were in Christchurch, New Zealand when they had the big earthquake. And then a while, a while later, you guys were in Japan when they had the earthquake. It. Now they started the music. Can you still hear me fine? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. So what was it like? I had, I had some friends that were in Hawaii on tour when they had that big missile we, scare. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it, I mean, was it kind of... Did you, what was the whole vibe like when you guys were in New Zealand and Japan when all that happened? Oh, the, the New Zealand one was horrible because the, the guy we were with, the promoter guy, was no help whatsoever. Really? No. We figured out how to get out of there, what to do, without any help from him. So he just, like, left you guys high and dry. He was, just, he was there, but he just wasn't doing anything. I realized if we don't do something, we're not going to get out of here, so... So did you guys have shows still past the time of the earthquake and you got out of there or was it? We a- had a show in Wellington and a show in, um, back in Auckland that, and we, um, can't remember if we did the Wellington one. I think we had to cancel that one. Oh really? Yeah. Because there's no way to get there. Yeah. You know? And then when you guys were in Japan, it seems like maybe you had a streak of bad luck because then they had the... Two weeks the, later. Two weeks later, they had the earthquake and the tsunami. Was there yeah. still like a crazy chaotic vibe when that happened as well? Oh, it was worse. It was worse. In New Zealand, the club that we played was destroyed. And wow. the hotel we had just checked out of was destroyed. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> we are at the airport. Man. And they, just had, they had just had earthquake a couple of months before that, a big one. And you, you live on the West Coast, so I'm sure you're... earthquakes there, too. Yeah, you're no stranger to earthquakes, but uh, it's got to be kind of scary. My friends that were in Hawaii, when they had that text message missile alert, they thought they were going to die. <laughs> text message missile alert? You don't remember that a couple months ago? they thought they back? were going to die? Well, yeah, there was like some... There was a test for all the phone companies that send out alerts for nuclear weapons, and for some reason it went off and like 8 million Americans got a text message that said incoming nuclear missile threat from North Korea or whatever. And they were in Hawaii and it was supposed to be hitting Hawaii according to the text message. And it was all fake. None of it was real. Yeah. But they thought they were going to die. They went out to the beach and they they'd signed off, man. They thought it was going to be over. Nobody's going to get off that easy. <laughs> right. No way. We're here for the duration. That's it. So with being a band as long as you guys have been, I know there's a lot of, you know, former members, but there's been the core unit of you and Dale for a really long time, since the beginning. You guys went Yeah, to, almost the beginning, since almost the beginning. And you guys went to high school together. I mean No. You didn't go to see Fact no. or Fake. There it is. We never on, went on, to high school together, no. But Me you and guys Dale have, did not. You've known each other for a long time. I'm four years older than him. Okay. So, so yeah, that makes um, sense. And we didn't even live in the same town, so I lived in a much smaller town. And that's in Washington? Yeah. On the coast. So what were you listening to back in the day as far as like, you know, inspirational stuff that made you want to pursue music? What are some of your influences from, from your childhood musically? Well, I didn't start playing guitar until I was about 17 or 18. Okay. And so within a couple of years, we were, our, we were a band. So it seemed like a lot longer of a time then than it actually ended up being. Okay. Um, but... I got interested in um, weirder music. There was nothing like that where I lived. Um, you couldn't buy a record. You couldn't do anything. And um, I got interested in that stuff simply by how those bands looked in Cream Magazine. Cream, Hit Parader, stuff like that. Circus, Trouser Press. And then I would order those records simply on the way they looked. Bands like The Clash, The Sex Pistols. 
um, in the 70s when I was like 12. So, and from all that, it just kind of branched out into what I ended up, you know, everything else that I did. So, but I didn't have anybody teach me anything. I didn't have one person, to, you know, back then in the 70s tell me anything about music. I didn't have any older brothers or Was sisters. guitar the first thing that you started playing? Instrument yeah, wise? there's no music in my family at all whatsoever. Um, um, yeah, it was the first thing. I, I never played music before that. No, not you really. take any formal lessons or was it all just kind of... Nope, no lessons. Um, don't read music. Um, I have an odd way of counting everything. Okay. That's not... Can, can you give me an example maybe of how you count and stuff? No, it makes sense to me, but Dale's always like, that's not where the one is, but <laughs> yeah. that's where your one is, so... He's good at uh, interpreting it. It's odd. Relatively quickly after doing um, starting the Melvins, um, I started writing music in this really strange, odd timings. Okay, uh, that hasn't stopped. And I guess if you don't, you know, learn the traditional way, that's probably a little bit easier. You you think of it in in different terms, like you said, the way that you count, right? Well, I never had an easy time with it. I mean, it was still yeah. odd, but um, it felt better to me. And um, When I'm writing my own music, I'll use 4-4 four, four a little bit, but um, it sounds corny to me. Yeah. And uh, I try to branch out of the traditional songwriting structure. What is like when you go to write songs, are you on a couch with an acoustic guitar? Do you have full stack going? Like what's your, when you write riffs on the guitar, what, how is it normally for you? It's always just playing by myself, um, not loud. Uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of guitar. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's electric playing acoustically. Or, and these days, since the advent of the iPhone, then I'll just record riffs on my phone. You do like the voice memo on your mm -hmm. phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And then work them out more, but just to remember the riff. So you're not using any kind of like garage band or logic or anything? I have all that stuff. I never use it. Yeah. We have a studio now with... Toshi, who's doing the um, noise thing. Yeah, yeah. We have a studio with him in L.A. Okay. And we've been working with him since 2001. Okay, cool. I think. And in the last six years, we built a rehearsal play studio that he also records other bands there. So I don't really need to, you know, demos are yeah. a pointless waste of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, just bring them in and then we record it really quickly. So with being a band that has the output that you guys have had, I mean, it seems like you guys are always putting something new out, doing different mm -hmm. projects. Is there a process you go through with picking a set list for a tour? Like what, oh, yeah. what stays, what goes? Like, can you take me through that process a little bit? Well, we play the same set every night, not on like a Broadway musical. Okay. Um, they don't change their set around. Nobody bitches. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> do, you, um, do you ever get any shit from people that like wanted you to play one of their favorite songs, but of course it wasn't in the set that night? I'm just saying, we don't. We can't play them all. Yeah, you can't play them all, right? We've recorded north of 500 songs. That's crazy, man. So it's um, obviously something's going to get left out. And I I think it's ridiculous for bands to play more than about an hour. Yeah. I would honestly rather play a good solid 40 minutes. People will get a better show. Yeah. When I go to a show. There's no filler that way, too, at all. Me. No filler. I guess. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's debatable. Yeah. People can, you know, there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. I mean, but when I go to a show, um, I'm good after that. But I'm a lot older than some of the kids, so 
But uh, if you haven't convinced an audience after 40 minutes, they're not going to get. They're not going to convince them after another two hours. Yeah, it's not going to happen. After being a band as long as you guys have been, do you notice at the shows sometimes there's like dads with their kids, like more than one generation that might have been listening to you for a long time? Like, do you not feel, often? Not often. No. You see, kids, kids that would be into our band don't want to listen, don't want to hang out with their dads. <laughs> yeah. not, not, I never not thought usually. of that. Yeah, I never thought of that. You probably they don't do, like I think I, go, I always wonder what, what's going on there. You know? yeah. hmm. Okay. I never went to rock shows with my parents. They never took me to anything like that. So your most recent record. Plus, Pink- I wanted to be on acid. So, <laughs> yeah. how, how would that work out with your dad? I mean, if you have a, a dad that likes acid too, I don't know. There's probably yeah, that some seems in a little weird to me too. You know? <laughs> that would probably put, would have pushed me towards being a fundamental Christian. You know? I always thought it was weird. This is off the subject, but I always thought it was weird growing up. I had friends, parents that would like smoke weed or drink with their kids. Like, I don't know. I just always thought that was so strange. I didn't want my parents to do that, but I had friends that, oh, I get high with my dad. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think it was any of my parents' business what I was doing. Yeah, totally. I didn't want to do anything like that because I didn't want them to be able to use that against me. There you go. You know, well, you were drunk or you were on drugs. No. As far as you know, I wasn't. <laughs> did you have like a pretty normal upbringing? Like were your parents, did they support the music Compared aspirations? To what? <laughs> well, I mean, I know it's a loaded question, but like the, uh, your musical aspirations when you were young, did you want it to be a career or was it just something that you really liked no, that, doing? That seemed absurd. Yeah. Um, the idea of playing music for a living was, yeah. no, that was absurd. Making a record, it seemed absurd. I mean... We started, we thought it'd be cool to play a show. That's it, really. I mean, it wasn't, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to make 30 albums. And, no, that, that's crazy. That just, and my parents were not supportive. They yeah. were, not at all. They were counterproductive. Along, They looked at it as nothing more than a total waste of time and made sure I understood that. Was there ever a glimmer, like, you know, when you guys got a little bit bigger and you were doing bigger tours, like, did they ever say, oh, them? Yeah. No, it's a total mystery to them. Oh, okay. You know, the fact that I'm not uh, getting underwritten by somebody else, <laughs> actually making it work. Because um, it's not their world. Yeah. And so they don't have any faith in it. Um, I don't know what they expected. I mean, they didn't. I mean, even like as late as getting signed to Atlantic Records, they didn't believe it. Yeah. They just didn't believe it. Because, I mean, that's kind of a big deal for parents. My dad I mean, actually said, I'd have to see the contract before I believe you actually got signed to Atlantic. And I don't think until the day the record, if they saw the record, because I never send them records or anything, yeah. but if they saw it with Atlantic, I think that's the only way they really believed it was true. And they never, like, saw you on MTV or 120 Minutes? We were never really stuff. on. We were on that little, but yeah. not, we were never MTV people. I mean... Too weird. And I ugly. remember seeing you too guys with Matt weird. Penfield, though. I remember. Seeing, sorry. Well, I remember seeing you guys with Matt Penfield on 120 Who is Minutes. Matt, P- Matt Penfield. I don't know. Uh, he he was like the the guy that hosted 120 Minutes. He always interviewed all the bands, kind of bald. Yeah, you know, I never watched. Uh, I never yeah. watched MTV. See, growing up in the I Midwest, that's where we got our culture, man. When I was like 12, 13 years old, like if we wanted cool bands, we had to stay up late on Sunday and watch that show. Well, if I was gonna do well. When I left my parents' house is when I pretty much quit watching television. Okay. Um, early 80s. And when watching TV at my house required being in the same room with your parents for long periods of time. <laughs> yeah. And if you were around them long enough, something bad was going to happen. Yeah. So why would you do it? So I missed out on all that stuff. I didn't have anything to do with 
all the cultural icons that most people do. I just don't know. I don't know them. You know, and so then I just never watched TV after that. Do you never, watch any now? Like when people tell you, like, "Oh, Breaking Bad's really cool." Like, do you, is there, do you have like stuff that you watch now? I have little patience for it. Yeah, I didn't like Breaking Bad. I thought it was okay, but um, me and my wife will watch. We don't have cable or anything. We'll watch Netflix or something like that. But I just fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Breaking Bad, I thought was. I don't know. It's too made for TV for me. Okay. It was um oh everything's going bad and uh, they're they're all going to be killed and they somehow get out of it. Like, I'd rather honestly I'd rather be watching the Rockford Files from 1970. Yeah, yeah, I think totally. it's way better. Uh, but I'm really picky when it comes to that kind of stuff. Usually because I'm really big movie buff. Okay. And um, uh, so I don't have much faith or I don't have much patience for it. What's your favorite genre of movie? Oh, I don't know. Like, what do you enjoy though? Do you like horror? Do you like I like. I would say yes to all genres. Oh, really? Um, it just, just has movie to be good. Movie buff in general, as long as it's good. Hmm? Movie buff in general, as long as it's good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of John Huston's work. Okay. Um, favorite movie is Treasure Sierra Madre. I think it. People that disagree with that, I. I don't know what they're looking for in a movie. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is they're seeing when they go to a movie. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't understand people that don't like movies that are in black and white. I don't understand yeah. that. How could you, how could you write off a movie because it wasn't in color? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there were good ideas before color TV came around. It's like yeah. there's people that take great pictures color, and they take great pictures black and white. Would yeah. you would you say Diane Arbus is not a good photographer because she only took black and white photos? That's insanity. Or Larry Clark, or you know, do anybody. You, do you enjoy comedy? I enjoy anything that's good. Do you have any comedians that you enjoy on a regular oh, com- basis? Oh, you, I thought you meant com- comedy movies. Well, yeah, comedy movies, but do you have any comedians, stand-up or otherwise, that you enjoy on a comedians regular Comedians I, I don't have much patience for either. Yeah. Um, I mostly think they're not funny. <laughs> yeah. I, liked, uh, I liked some of Sam Kennison stuff. I okay. like uh, Pryor, um, um, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George Carlin. Um, Lenny Bruce is probably my favorite. He fought a lot of battles that I don't think he's given credit for. Uh, what did you think of Andy Kaufman back in the day? I liked it. I think it's great. Situational I, comedy like that. I meet people. I always kind of judge them. I'm like, what do you think of Andy Kaufman? If they don't like him, I'm like, well, you just don't get it. <laughs> you just don't understand it, you know? You know, I, I'm not really a, oh, here's another little joke for you type of guy. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Social commentary. It's like, yeah, what do you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes from like a, some millionaire. It's like, I can't learn anything from you. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. If I offered you $2 million to work for two months, you'd tell me to get fucked. <laughs> what could I learn from you? Nothing. So I want, I want to get back on track here just because I'm interested. The new, the most recent record, Pinkus Abortion Technician, it, uh, it came out last year. This is still pretty much the touring cycle for that record. Are you guys working on anything new currently? Do you ride on the road? Well, we don't really have touring cycles. I mean, at this point, for like the last, I'd say, 20 years... We are touring to sell all of our records. Okay. Yeah. It's like we don't. And I quit viewing them in that, in that capacity because we work so much. Yeah. So it's like, what? I don't, I have never cursed to me to go, oh, we got to go out and promote this record. Records don't sell. Yeah. And so, um, not in any major, huge amount. Um, and uh, the whole idea that, um, now bands don't get paid. No bands never got paid. Yeah. Where, when was this golden era 
when these check writing angels were writing checks to bands, you know, it's just crazy. I never understood how people complained about major labels when there's indie labels to complain about. They're the biggest ripoffs of all. Yeah. They just won't ever pay you anything. <laughs> Nothing. And that certainly continues. Oh, definitely. I mean, so nothing's the, changed. The for streaming, bands. like I just saw today, like I have a lot of friends who have hundred million streams on Spotify, and they make five grand. I mean, I just don't understand. The guy that owns Spotify is worth three billion dollars, and nobody's getting. I just, I feel like bands should get a little bit more than they're getting right now. How exactly would you split that up? I mean, I don't know. That's a thing, because what they do is. They divide it up by how many streams you have. Yeah. So it's actually the fairest way it can happen because people aren't paying shit yeah. for the service. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm on Spotify right now and I'm paying like $5 a month. Okay, $5 a month, there's, then there's no money. Yeah. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what they do. Hey, this is Chris from that one time on tour. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you're in a band or know someone who is. One of the biggest problems facing bands is finding affordable, high-quality merchandise. Well, not anymore. The Merch Planet offers soft, high-end quality shirts starting at as little as $6 a piece. And right now, they're offering free shipping to all TOTOT listeners. They have lightning-fast turnarounds and ship everywhere throughout the U.S. and Canada. Head on over to TheMerchPlanet.com and use the promo code TOTOTFREE at checkout. You'll be glad you did. You know, I don't. how can you paying $5 amount to bands making more money? Yeah. It just make, It's just, weird that the no CEO way. somehow has made that much money, but I guess there's he's ads. Got a big, and, he's, got a, he's running a big company. Yeah. And... If you're not if you're not parting it up in a way that is equal to how much you are actually getting listened to, yeah, then there, then it would just be charity. Yeah, you know, I don't stream stuff personally. Um, doesn't mean I wouldn't. Yeah, um, I think my wife does, but um, I personally would rather own it. I mean, I, I love having a physical copy of something. I do. I don't, yeah. I don't trust them. CD or vinyl or whatever. CD's long, my favorite. As long as it it's something really I can hold in my hand. and So are you, are you just said you like CDs. Yeah, personally. It's my favorite sounding. See, that's how I feel as well because people always tell me, and this is an unpopular thing to say, people are so into vinyl, and I love vinyl. I collect vinyl. But people that tell me vinyl sounds better than CD, I'm like, well, you can like vinyl better. But I don't think it sounds better than CD. It doesn't sound better. Yeah. But if you want to listen to vinyl, who am I to tell you you're wrong? Oh, yeah, totally. If you want to listen to crappy sounding MP3s, that's your business. Compressed as hell in I don't know. I mean, it's like Steven, bass player, always laughs about it. He goes, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that in the future, or like in the early 80s, in the future, people are going to listen to music on these little tiny comu computer speakers. Yeah. And, and you'd go, oh, really? Because they're going to sound really rad. No, no, they sound like shit. But that's what people want to listen to it on. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, they mix it. Yeah, I mean, so nobody would have guessed that. Yeah. They thought you'd think it would be more hi-fi, not less. It's way. They're listening to the worst way you can listen to music now than worse than ever. I just feel like everything's getting taken away because there's no cassettes. There's, there's no CDs. I used to buy MP3s, and I felt like I still owned something because it was on my hard drive. But now you can hardly – you can still do that, but it's going all to these, these streaming sites. And if I want that, I just I feel like I still want to own something in my hand. I love the artwork. I mean, you guys always have killer artwork. Yeah. Yeah, well, live with a 
I do graphic designer, so it's hard not to. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I found out about some of my favorite bands by reading the thank yous and the liner notes of all my, the bands that I liked when I was young. And I don't think kids still do that. I don't know what kids do. I never yeah. knew what kids did when I was a kid. I never liked kids, even when I was a teenager. And I always, they always irritated me. I never got along with them. Why would I get along with them now? I don't understand yeah. them. Never did. So nothing's changed. Is there anything? I'm, I'm not a, oh, go ahead. Is there, was there anything out now that piques your interest musically? Oh, lots of stuff, but um, about as many as ever did. Yeah. I don't think that there was ever a golden era of music when I liked every single thing that came out. On the contrary, you know, I mean, if you look at like, do a search for the top 10, top 10 of some week, like 1973, it's all people you never heard of. Yeah. No idea who they are. So those, so the, you know, Led Zeppelin three or whatever came out, you know, the fourth album, or whatever came out around that time or whenever, um, that you'd think that everybody was into. Well, they were some, but most of it was garbage. Yeah. Like now, <laughs> yeah. most of it's garbage. If, if Same I, as ever. If I was to raid your CD collection on tour or at home, what do you listen to on a regular basis? It's a wide variety of things. Yeah. But if I'm going to make a playlist, it's going to probably have about 50 bands on it. Okay. Different bands. Um, today on the way here, we listened to the live Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall album. Okay. Which is one of my favorites. I listen to lots of Tom Waits, um, as well as lots of... Uh, Heavy metal and everything in between. You know? Lots of different kinds of things. Are you a Metallica fan at all? Mm. I mean, I'm sure you've probably really. met those guys over the years. Slightly. I'm not good at networking. Yeah. I've never been good at it. Like hanging out. Let's go to the beat. It's like, do you want to do this? No. What are some of your heavy metal bands that you like? Oh, I think Judas Priest, uh, Unleashed in the East is the best heavy metal album ever made. Awesome. Personally, you know, I don't think that anybody's ever topped that record. Have you heard, this isn't really, I guess, heavy metal, this is different, but I know you have a relationship uh, with the guys in Tool. Have you heard the yeah. new record? Have I heard it? Yeah, have you heard the new one? My wife did the cover, so I've been uh, <laughs> so familiar probably with it for a long it, time. Yeah. Uh, it's, Plus, really, it's really good. Adam's been playing me junk off that record for, that they're working on for years. 13 years. <laughs> Something years. like that. That's yeah. crazy, man. Demos and all kinds of stuff. So, so the new record, uh, Pincus Abortion Technician, did you guys self-produce that? Did you guys work with we the worked producer? with Toshi. Oh, you worked with Toshi him? Kasai. Yeah, that's okay. what I said. We've been working with him since 2001. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And we have a studio with him in L.A. And so everything was done there. Did you guys do a lot of pre yep. pre-production with him as well? What is pre-production? I don't know. <laughs> you know, messing with the songs before you go in. No, we're all, we, that's where we rehearse. We're always in the studio. So it's we're all at pretty the studio. production. Yeah. So it's like you're rehearsing, and it's like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Let's lay it down. Lay down the drums. No, well, you, you have it. Yeah. Well, lay it down, then listen to it and decide what you're going to do. And most of the time, that stuff goes on there, right in the record. What kind of, uh, and are you like a vintage amp guy or no. do you like any of the modeling stuff? No, no modeling. Um, that stuff all sounds like crap to me, most yeah. of it. I'm sure I could probably, if I messed around with it long enough, get it to sound all right. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vintage guy. Yeah. You think about guys like Hendrix or people like that, they were using new gear. Yeah. Brand new. Do you, know? you like really kind of you know painstakingly go over the gear you're using in the studio to I'm get sorry? your tone? Do you go over the gear a lot in the studio to get your tones, or are you a plug and play kind of guy? Like that sounds good. Let's just go with that. Oh no, we we have we'll probably have you know I have a guitar rack that holds like six guitars and I rotate guitars through it, 
And then a lot of times what I'll do is if I'm working on a song, I do, you know, look, it's, it's rock sounding to some degree. And I'll do yeah. a basic track of it. And then if I want to double it, I'll do it with a different guitar. So of changing the amp. Yeah. Play the same amp with a different guitar. Different pickup setup, everything like that. Yeah. Every guitar sounds different. Yeah. And so you can have the, leave it in the exact same settings and change guitars and it sounds way different. So we have done so much of that kind of stuff. I couldn't even tell you, you know, like with any real accuracy, especially lately, what exactly we did yeah. on a lot of those records. What's funny is like people go, oh, you're using those aluminum guitars now. I go, well, some of them have some aluminum in them, but they're, they're wood. But I have some aluminum, all aluminum guitars. And they go, well, your guitar sound was a lot better, like on the Stoner Witch record. I'm like, oh, yeah, what song? Like, well, the Les Paul, you know, the Les Paul. I go, well, what song? <laughs> like, a Revolve. I go, Revolve was a, think back, I go, it was a Jackson and a Mustang yeah. for the main part of the song. And then the solo was played on a, a Fender Stratocaster. So you don't even know what you're talking about. They have this you idea assume in their I'm mind. Using, it's, like, it's just fucking crazy. <laughs> it's like, that's just so absurd. Yeah. It's like, you don't know what I was using. I remember it because the engineer had a Jackson in the studio, and I go, let me try that thing. And I thought it was it played pretty good. I don't think I would have bought one, but it played good, and I thought I was messing around with it and tried the rhythm track on that and then doubled it with a uh, Mustang. A re- just a stock reissue Mustang from the early 90s. Yeah. Sounded great. Both those together, really great. And then the solo was played on a s- Strat. So there's no Les Paul on it. <laughs> people, you're sound with the Les Paul. And so that's how all of our records are. There's yeah. no... I did a record. I did a record, this record, um, just to prove a point. Um, the Nudist Boots record, where I used my 1972 Les Paul, the first one I ever had. I used it for every single thing on the record. Every overdub. I never changed guitars. No one said a fucking word about it. Not a word. Like, wow, that record sounds so much better. No, they didn't say a word. I used a Les Paul on every single song for every single part of every single song. The same guitar. Yeah. Did anybody notice? No. Did they say one word? No. Nothing. They're crazy. They're hearing things that aren't there. They're hearing, they're listening with their eyes. Which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we could go into the studio with almost any gear and make it work. Yeah. Does it freak you out sometimes that people kind of hold you guys that near and dear and they feel like it's kind of they have ownership in it? So then they come up with the crazy theories like you use. They always know best. Yeah. Here's what you should be doing. Really? Let me write that down. I'll put it in my locker. (laughs) If I listened to guys that were telling me what I should be doing, I wouldn't be doing anything. (laughs) That's true, man. You know, I mean, especially a long time ago when nobody cared about us at all. Yeah. If I wouldn't have stuck to my guns, I would have quit. Or we, we certainly wouldn't, be do, wouldn't have done what we ended up doing. Yeah. You know, I got to where I was by not listening to people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I tell you what, man, we're getting close to the half hour. I don't want to take all your time. I, okay. do, have, I do have a couple listener questions, yes. if you wouldn't mind answering them. No, I don't mind. Okay, uh, Josh from California. He wants to know if there's any plans for another solo record in the future. Yeah, I'm working on it right now. Okay, cool. Me and Trevor Dunn, uh, acoustic, acoustic guitar, and stand-up bass. Wow. Yeah, I got to finish the vocals on it. It'll be done. And he's the guy that did uh, the Melvin's Light yes. stuff with you guys. And he right? also was in Phantomos with me. Okay, okay. And cool. he does, plays a Mr. Bungle. 
And I wanted to actually, before I get to this last question, you guys are opening up one of the reunion shows in February for yes, Mr. Bungle. Yes, in New York, right? in uh, L.A. Is the third of three. Any more uh, Phantomus stuff ever? Not, not on the horizon. <laughs> not on the horizon. I have no reason to believe it'll happen. A uh, big fan. I just thought I'd ask that, but uh, oh okay. no, no, no. I'm fine with, with that. But I, uh, it's Mike's deal. That is, and um, I have little or nothing to do with yeah whether we what we do or when we do it. Okay, cool. Well, I've got one more question for yeah. you. This is uh, from Ollie from Croatia. Croatia. Yeah, Ollie. Yeah. Ollie from Croatia said, "How did you become friends with the guys from Tool?" Let me think. Um, they asked us to play with them. That was in 97. You guys did like Australia or something with them. No, right? no, that was after that. Okay, um, okay. 97, we toured with them. We did some shows with them on the east. We, like they just asked us to open. That's how I became friends with them. So I remember 22 years ago. When I was young, I remember seeing on their website, there was a picture of you guys and like spelled out in cold meat. It said like tool sucks. Oh, that was way later. <laughs> that was that was years later. Okay, cool. Melvin well, say tool sucks. <laughs> Melvin say tool sucks. Well, Ollie, thank you. Certainly you, do. Thank you so much for your question. Buzz, I can't wait to see you guys tonight. Oh, we'll do our best. Thank, thank you, you so much thank for being so much. on the Thanks show. For the interest. And I appreciate thank you for the interest. It. I really appreciate it. So there it was, my conversation with King Buzzo from the Melvins. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, it was so much fun. My buddy Eric Johnson from the band Brazil, he's been on the show a couple times. We got to go down to the Vogue in Indianapolis and hang out with Buzz and all the guys from the Melvins. And it was so much fun. Red Cross opened up the show. And I just, I love doing these in-person live things a lot. And I hope there's going to be a lot more in the future. So thank you guys very much. Like I said, if Buzz brought you here, this is your first time listening. We have 78 other episodes in the archives. So go dig around, see if you can find anything that interests you. I'd really appreciate it. And maybe hit that subscribe button. That, that would be cool. Because then you could check out next week's episode before anybody else with my buddy Russ Rankin, singer for Good Riddance, amazing fat records band out of California. They've been one of my favorite bands for quite a while. I just love, I love everything about Good Riddance, the music, the, the message, everything. So you guys need to come back next week for my conversation with Russ from Good Riddance. It's a good one. We talk about all kinds of stuff, including hockey. So if any of you guys are hockey fans out there, you'll like to come back for next week's episode. So if you guys want to sponsor an episode, if you have a band like Chrome Lakes at the beginning of this episode, or a company like the Merch Planet or Permanence Tattoo Gallery, hit me up and we will figure it out, tototpodcast at gmail.com. It only takes a second, hit me up and we will make it happen, man. Also, you guys need to please go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you listen and subscribe, rate, and review, preferably five stars. It helps us get recognized by everybody that likes this kind of podcast, and it'll help everybody find us, and we'll take over the world together. So thank you once again for coming back if you did, or if this is your first time, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to get out of here. It's late and I'm tired, but I'm going to play a cool song by the Melvins. Their latest record, Pincus Abortion Technician, came out last year in April. And uh, there's so many good songs on the record, but I've been addicted to their cover. It's a kind of a reimagination, actually, of I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. It's really cool with like the melody choices that they make and just how they changed it. So it's still... It still has that Beatles feel and it's still got the, like the, the hook and all the melodies, but 
it's changed to where it is a Melvin song now. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy this. Like I said, come back next week for Russ from Good Riddance. As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I'm going to get out of here. Here's the Melvins with I Want to Hold Your Hand. Peace.
Let's rock, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!